All right, I'm here with James Plaguey of Harm's Way. They have a killer new record out. Check out Post Human. I actually listen to this all the time. It's There's so many songs in there, there's just a deadlift PR waiting to happen. So for those of you that love intense training, we're going to talk about working out. He's an avid workout guy. Just Google him on just Google him and check out some of his picks. You'll see he's an avid powerlifter. So we're going to talk about some training, talk about the new record. Hey, man. It's great to have you here. Man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And I know you just got a workout over here at Fitness 19. You have a, a powerlifting event coming up soon? Yeah, I decided there was a, a real smart idea to um, <laughs> do a powerlifting meet yeah. or train for a powerlifting meet um, on tour. And um, we're going to get home. And then the, the meet's in about two weeks uh, once I get home. Um, I must say it has been quite the challenge. Yeah. Uh, keeping up with some of the heavier weights um, so in in order for me to peak properly um, but today I got some squats in uh, felt felt good uh, considering um, I was up late last night get, yeah. doing some gambling and uh, <laughs> oh yeah where'd you play at Luxor uh, yeah we, we did we did MGM uh, Cosmopolitan you play blackjack or what do you play over there uh, we've, we've been real big fan of the high limit uh, wheel of fortune oh, slots okay. yeah uh, we lost pretty quickly on that, and then I played some roulette uh, and played some blackjack, and unfortunately, I'm down for the for the night. But <laughs> but today's a new day, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. But uh, but yeah, it was a, a good workout today, and uh, obviously, we'll see uh, how the rest of the week progresses because this is yeah. pretty much the last week um, of heavy training before I start right. to start to dial down a right. little bit. So right. just tapering out. So, I mean, training on the road, that's a lot of people who listen to our show are business people, so they're always traveling, and it's a challenge to get workout consistency. I know when I used to teach courses all over the world, I would get into a nice groove, go overseas for a couple of weeks, and then come back. It would just take a while to sure. pick up where I left off. How did you, what do you think are the biggest challenges for you training on the road? Um, I think one of the biggest things for me um, is eating yeah. properly. Yeah, that's, um, big, that's hard. Uh, the nutrition is just, it's just not there, yeah. and... and you know, it's not even a matter of eating right. It's, it's just eating in general, yeah. you know, the consistency. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like even today, like, you know, we woke up pretty late. We didn't have time to grab something to eat. And so I was basically training on a, a protein cookie. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. you know, it's just tough because especially when you're when you're playing music, you know, yeah. you, you have to get to the venue about three or four. You have to load. You sound check. Then the show starts. Someone has to stay at the show to do merch. Right. And then, you know, the shows aren't that long, two or three hours. And then you play, and then you got to load up, you got to settle, you right. got to do all these things. So, like, between time and getting the proper nutrition, I would say those are probably the biggest challenges yeah. on yeah, tour. nutrition is really hard on the road because you're eating out so much, too. It's hard to get the volume, and then it's hard to just get the high quality yeah. of food there. Sure. So whenever, whenever I traveled a lot, even if you're eating at good restaurants, it just it just becomes a routine after a while. Yeah. You always feel like you're not getting enough fuel in, or if you are, it's not the right fuel, you know, yeah, to yeah. optimize your workouts. Of course. Now, when you do a powerlifting regimen, you do squats and deadlifts on the same day, or you split things up? No, most of the time. Um, usually, my my split has been for like probably the last six years has been a squat day, a deadlift day, right. and then two upper body days, one right. heavier, one lighter, um, on tour. Uh, to kind of simplify things, I just do a bench day, a deadlift day, and a squat day, right. um, and right. they vary. They vary on intensities depending on where I'm at. But yeah. uh, um, you know, for years I did like a heavy squat day, and I would never do a heavy deadlift day right. in the same week. Right. And I would switch those off. Um, I've been training with uh, one of these dudes. Um, his name's Jared Skinner. He uh, he's a, a a real cool dude. He's a, he's a good friend of 
uh, one of my good friends who works for American Barbell Club uh, out of Florida. Oh, and okay, sure. uh, they, uh, he kind of hooked me up um, with him, and Jared's been helping me kind of do my programming. Right. Um, and so he's he's been been very helpful, but he has a kind of a whole different take on a lot of training. So it's kind of good that my training is, like, switched up, but there's, like, some things that, like, I don't know if my body has adapted to yet and like he he trains heavy deadlift and squat in the same week yeah so uh sometimes yeah. sometimes i could tell i'm getting a little bit beat yeah. up and taxed, there's definitely a lot of overlap there i found like i don't know if you've ever done the small off squat routine uh no i haven't actually. it's pretty brutal <laughs> yeah every time i brought it up people would say don't do it you're gonna hate it but i i tweaked my back a little bit so i needed to take a break from the deadlift mm-hmm. last year so i thought it was perfect timing to do it and honestly i did really well with it mm-hmm. the key is i used much lower percentages than most people recommend sure so instead of you let's say my squat max is 455 i would use 425 to work out the percentages so it gives me more time to work into the program because you're squatting four times a week yeah even if you're not squatting that heavy if you're squatting four times a week neurologically you're going to start getting dialed in so it's not a wasted time i did really well with that program though i put about 25 pounds on my squat by the end of it and a lot of people talk about oh you'll put 100 pounds in your squat i don't have those kind of expectations yeah i think if you go in with that kind of expectation you're going to be disappointed and it just doesn't even really make sense. You're going to put 100 pounds on your squat in 10 weeks. It's just, yeah. unless, unless you're a beginner. Yeah, of course. I've been working out a long time. I mean, hey, if that happens, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to complain, but I didn't go in with that. To me, if I put 10 pounds on, I would be happy with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of the, the workouts, kind of like the, I guess, I don't, I don't know, trendy workouts, if right. you will. Right. Um, you know, they always kind of have these like high expectations yeah. and numbers that yeah. are really just unachievable. Like maybe yeah. maybe one time someone did that workout and they right. they got that, but right. um, I mean, people ask me all the time, like what you know, what workout should I do? Yeah. F- five, three, one. Yeah. You know, small off. And it's like to me, it's it's all about consistency. You right. know what I mean? It's like any workout that you're consistently doing and and consistently making slight progress, whether yeah. it's more repetitions, more weight you know, more days in the gym, I mean, you're going to make progress, right. you know, physical progress and, you know, strength progress. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, that's, I know it's, it sounds simple, but it's yeah. not as that simple, but it, in a lot of ways it is. That I simple. think you just have to have a lot of patience and that's where people go wrong sure. is they feel that it's a waste of time if they don't hit a certain number by a certain time and you have to enjoy the process and any progress is great, especially, you know, I've been, I'm 40, I'm 45 almost. And I've been working out since I was 18. So any progress I make, especially at this point, even I put five pounds on my deadlift, I'm going to be happy about that. Sure, yeah. Especially if I didn't get injured or hurt myself or tweak my, you know, if I went a whole year without getting injured, that's a positive thing, lifting heavy weights. Yeah. So I think you just have to have more patience, enjoy the process. And if you, like you said, if you have consistency, you're going to be able to sustain the performance for a longer period of time where you'll hit those goals. So instead of having a goal of, let's say you want to go from 500 to 600 pounds in a year, that's not really that realistic. But what if you did it in five years? That's not, what's wrong with that? You know, 10 pounds a year for five years. And then the fact that you're even still lifting heavy five years later is a success. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, they say the name of the game in powerlifting is, is the the best powerlifters avoid injury because as you get older, your technique starts to get dialed in. Right. You start to achieve muscle maturity. Yeah. You know, even though your testosterone levels start starting to go down a little bit, there's a lot of other factors that are to your advantage. Right. You know, with putting time into the gym for right. so long. Right. Um, and you see, that's why you see a lot of good powerlifters late into their 30s, yeah. early 40s, you yeah. know. Um, but, like, 
for me, the, the, one of the biggest things, the biggest challenges has been injury, you know, yeah. and just, and I think a lot of people, you know, you, any gym you go to, you know, you see a lot of people just lifting improperly. You right. see the bad form. You see, um, you know, not going deep enough on squats. That's a big one. <laughs> you, see the, you see the mobility issues. You yeah. see, yeah. you know, obviously the extreme rounded backs and deadlifts. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if I guess if I had any tips for anybody, it would always be start light. Make sure your form is good. Right. You know, find somebody that you know or, or find a trainer or find somebody who can help you progress, you know, your technique until it's almost perfect because it'll right. never be perfect, right. you know. But, you know, because I just that's that's something I see where it's like, man, like if this person would have taken, you know, even two weeks to work on the technique, right. dial back the weight, yes. you know, then they definitely they would have made a lot more progress, yeah. you know, because. When I was younger, I was stupid, you know, yeah, well, we all <laughs> and like, you know, obviously I'm not that old, but like, even when I was growing up, like, you know, the internet was pretty new. So yeah. there wasn't yeah. as much information on the internet, right. you know, with, with workouts, techniques. So, you know, I, my dad always got flex magazine. So I would go to flex <laughs> magazine, yeah. open it up and you, you see Ronnie Coleman's back workout of, you know, 45 <laughs> yeah. sets, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and I would do that and, you know, I would do probably, you know, obviously way too much volume right weight weight workout i would do exercises i didn't even know how to do right and you know i i'm feeling that now yeah. you know <laughs> just yeah, like stay with you yeah <laughs> just lifting it properly for yeah. a long time you know and, yeah and it wasn't until like my later years in high school where like you know i had this friend who was in the marines he's like kind of kind of was like hey like you know it's supposed to do this not this right and i was like oh okay right and you know my dad was always really into lifting and bodybuilding and powerlifting so he kind of helped me as well so right you know, it wasn't until like I was a little bit later in my life where I was like, "Oh, okay, this is how you, this is how you're supposed to do this." You yeah. know, but uh, I, I feel like with all the information out there, you know, it's pretty hard to have an excuse not to learn. Oh, yeah. You know how to do things properly yeah. and and kind of take your time and yeah. you know, as you said, patience, man. It's 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 gotta, a long process. <laughs> yeah, you got to be in for the long run, and I've, I've I've always enjoyed the process of working out. It's meditation for me. It's alone time for me. So just that alone is the success. Now, I obviously want to make progress. That's fun. But even if I don't make progress, just it's still not a waste of time. Just getting out there, building up your strength, maintaining your strength, going through the process is enjoyable. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so I feel like working out and being in a band are very similar in the ways of making progress because, right. um, you know, you have – course you have like the bands that you know they get big in one year and and they're gigantic for a long time you right. know they just kind of hit the right demographic at the right time yeah and you know it's kind of the same thing with lifting you have people with incredible genetics that didn't really put in that much work or didn't put as much work as you did but they have amazing genetics they make progress at an extremely fast rate right you know whereas like i look at myself you know i've been lifting for 16 years now yeah. and Harm's Way has been around for 11, 11 yeah. years now, yeah. and it's Almost like, and it's like right now, you know, that's when we're kind of, you know, we're starting to hit our stride now, right. and it's right. kind of funny that, you know, obviously, at this point in time, I'm the strongest I've ever been, you know, and it's it's just kind of building, building up, building up, you know, each year making it a little better, and yeah. so it's it's it is a lot of like in, oh, in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, putting putting in the work and you know going back to the consistency, you know, we've Harm's Way has, you know, been a band. We've toured every single year for the past 11 years. Right. You know, we've put out, I guess this is our fourth LP. 
we've done a few EPs as well, and it's just like you just got to keep grinding. You know, that's just like anything yeah. in life. Yeah. You know, just, that's right. And if you if you feel like you're getting down or you, you don't want to do something, because I know I get questions all the time. Like people ask, you know, I'm not making progress and making plateaus. The only way to fight through those is just keep going, you know, yeah. keep working hard, yeah. you know, find ways that you can still make progress, even yeah. if you're, you know, in a, in a ditch or in a dip, right. you know, so. Right. There's that saying, a uh, high tide raises old ships, but you actually have to be on the water, you know, to benefit from yeah. that, you know, yeah. it's not going to raise you if you're not in the game. So if you, that's the other thing too, is sometimes when you're going through a plateau, it's just your body adapting. It's an adaption phase where if you just keep to the consistency there all of a sudden it's going to pop up right again so that's why i think it's important that people don't get too overly attached to what they feel as progress and there's subtle forms of progress too such as maybe you the first time you deadlifted 550 your back was rounded and you barely finished the rep and then you tried it again and this time it came off the floor fast and was driven all the way to the top you're not lifting more weight but you're lifting a weight much better more seamlessly so that's a form of progress too if the rep speed improves that's a form of progress absolutely yeah yeah if you didn't get hurt maybe you the first time you did it your back was jacked up and then you try it again a couple months later and this time your back feels fine you know that's a form of progress so you just have to look at every single one of those things yeah now with the record how has been how has the response been to the new record you guys are on metal blade right now and it's been the record's been out for about a month now. So how do you, how do you feel the response has been so far? Um, honestly, the response has been uh, beyond and above our expectations. Yeah. You know, like at, at obviously when you put out a record, um, you know your band and yourself, you feel strongly about it. Um, you you pretty much have to feel that that's the best piece of music that you've put out. Right. And you know, I I think when when we were finished recording the record in august you know we truly felt that we had put as much time and effort as we had in any other record that we've done and we truly felt that that was that was the best work that we could have done right and it's really shown you know the response online has been great these this whole tour um you know we're i think we got five shows left out of 26 so we've 21 shows you know yeah they're just (laughs) the the shows have been awesome you know like I think we had six or seven sold out shows and which is something we've never had before actually oh, that's great. on a headline tour. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and you know, I think the record has just, has just shown me that, you know, people are still interested in our band right. and, and we're still able to progress. And a lot of people who I'm close with and my friends have, have even have been honest with me and said that they thought that that was the best record we had ever done as well. Oh, so yeah, I agree with that. It, it just makes me, it makes me feel good that, you know, all the work, it took us two years to, to write and record that record and so you know when you think about that in the scheme of things you know that's that's a lot of time and yeah, it is. and when you when you put the amount that amount of effort and time into something and it pays off yeah um it, it feels real good it's you real know gratifying for sure and especially you know obviously i've been um working with the same group of people for a long time now uh, me chris Bo. um have been the same members in harm's way since right. you know we were in our late teens and um it's just awesome to kind of come together and have something that we share that we all feel strongly about and that is successful um at right. this time so it's 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 been awesome now what's how is how are things different with metal blade versus with death wish was the last record right mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, basically what i've noticed is is metal blade really draws people from the metal world right and death wish has 
kind of a niche of people that that only like death wish stuff it seems um they have like real loyal fan base right, um right. and i think death wish also has like a very good reach as far as um getting the music out um from not only to the u.s but in other countries but i feel like metal blade was able to expand that even further and there's just more people who know what metal blade is right. um, as opposed to death wish so i just feel like you know you you could just see, like, as far as, like, our Spotify listeners, for example, like, when we put out the new record, our Spotify listeners, like, was four times. Oh, wow. You know, and, and that's that's just showing us that the record is, is getting out. It's being yeah. exposed. Um, the publicity was able to, to, I guess, be a lot better, a lot yeah. um, more widespread right. than um, right. than than Death Wish was. The bigger PR machine. Sure. Behind you. Yeah. Um, but what was also cool was that it was kind of a triple triple release. We um, our first real record label was a closed casket. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and they they put out a pressing of Posthuman. Oh, cool. And Deathwish put out a pressing of Posthuman. Very cool. And then Metal Blade put out the main pressing. Right. Um, so there was um, some exposure in, in all of our you know previous. So you know the kids who are not really into Metal Blade would see like oh yeah. like you know yeah. closed caskets carrying this so right. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this right. out or death wish is carrying this so um, we were able to kind of get the maximum exposure as we could yeah um, which we which we all felt really great about so oh, that's great now what's the plan after this tour are you gonna be going overseas or you, and you have another tour lined up after this one um, so the next thing we're gonna do is uh, we actually have five shows in Mexico um, I don't know the exact cities, so, so don't ask me that. But uh, I know we're playing Mex- Mexico City, um, and so that's that's kind of just like we've never done that before, and we just kind of wanted to, to play. I know we've we have uh, some fans there, and it's, it's going to be pretty cool shows. Yeah. And then um, I'm not sure what we're trying to do Europe in in at the beginning of May, but it's still kind of in the progress. So I'm not really sure if that's right. going to happen, um, and then. We're doing Warp Tour uh, starting June 21st, uh, and we'll be oh, on cool. uh, 30, 30 dates, I believe. Yeah. Something around 26, 30 days of, of Warp Tour, um, and that goes all the way to pretty much mid-July. Right. Um, after that, um, we're kind of working on a few things. Unfortunately, I, ca- I can't talk about yeah. them, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll be. it'll be a full year of, of touring and, and going full force, so... We're definitely excited about that. Did you find that most of the money you make comes from touring and merch? How much of it is? Does anyone really make money off record sales anymore in this genre? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. We, we talk about how if we were a band in like the late '80s yeah. or, or '90s, that you know we would have really have been set as yeah. far as as far as our lives go. But um, you know, the music industry is so different now. Right. Everything is is digital. Um, Spotify. I mean, I think every 150 Spotify plays is considered a record sale. Right, right. And so, like in the real world, you know, in the 90s, man, you, you would have, no one would have heard your record unless they bought it. So, right. you know, you know, maybe two plays would have been considered a record right. back then. And it's like, I mean, you hope that the record labels recoup their money when it comes to, you know, they invest money and you hope that they make enough money off the record sales and cds and digital to cover their expenses but i think unfortunately the way the music industry is moving it's just it's becoming a touring like it's becoming strictly profiting off touring like if you want to see your favorite band 
you know, you're going to have to go and support them on tour, right. you know, and, and, you know, before that, before that, you know, 2000s, you know, bands would tour, you know, one, one U.S. tour a year, you right. know, they wouldn't do three right. U.S. tours a year. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like, that's really the only way, you know, you can kind of get enough money to be able to survive, yeah. you know, cause I'm, I mean, we're not, we're in a hardcore slash metal band, you know, right. we, we're not making yeah. a lot of money, but it's like. <laughs> At the same time, people need to understand. It's like we're gone six or seven months out of the year. Like yeah. we need to at least cover some expenses that right. are at home. Right. You know. Um, but I think you know merch merchandise has always been a big thing. But I think it's at a peak now, yeah. where like that's where that's why the bands have to charge as much as they do. Right. Because they need to cover the expenses on tour and they need to cover expenses at home. Right. That's why shows cost more. You know, I mean, when I when I was growing up, you know, hardcore show would be six yeah. bucks. Yeah. You know, now it's fifteen. Now it's right. eighteen. Right. And it just has to be that way. Yeah. You know, and, and because the bands wouldn't be able to survive or tour anymore if, yeah. if it was any different. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it's so important to go to. The, it just shows you, like you said, when I was growing up, when Metallica did a concert, you didn't see them again for two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's... So it was a big deal when they came through. So that's where I'm going is. I think it's a little bit of a catch-22 where on one hand, as a band, you have to tour perpetually to make the money. But if you hit the same location too many times, then people get immune where it's not as big a deal anymore. Or they'll have the mentality of, oh, I'll just catch them next time. <laughs> you know? And I think that's something that you see uh, yeah. quite often, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think the key is to try to expand to as many genres as possible. Right. Because then you're able to do one you know, like for example, like Harm's Way toured with Black Dahlia Murder. Right. It's a completely cool. different crowd yeah. than than this headline tour, right. you know, with Vane and Ringworm and, you know, Queensway and then yeah. you know, then we tour with At the Gates, which is another crowd, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's oh, like totally. so if you can kind of expose yourself, you know, even if you play the same places, you right. know, three times a year, that you're playing sense. to three different types of crowds. And and I think that's that makes sense. That's something that I like about our band is that um, I think we're able to appeal to some oh, different yeah. genres of, yeah. of people. So that's, that's well, I think I think with Harm's Way, you guys have a, a God Flesh influence. You got that industrial heavy sound. You've got some death metal influences in there. You got the hardcore energy. So I think a lot of people from different genres will like it. I, th- I bet there's people who don't like hardcore that much as a genre, but love you guys. Yeah, it's funny actually. Like this tour, I would say has been the most diverse. Yeah. Um, show population that that i had ever seen and i i think a lot of it has to do with metal blade and the new record um and what's funny is is a lot of the promoters are like yeah i've never seen this many pre-sale before because hardcore kids don't buy pre-sale tickets too often they just go so it's kind of funny to see that you know there's kind of this change in demographic that's kind of coming to the to the shows and um, it's cool it's 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 nice to see some different uh, types of people than you right. know the same types of kids uh, at every single show yeah i also think that there's there's a symbiotic relationship between a lot of things that don't seem like they have a relationship such as really intense music really intense working out right like to me it's not a stretch that you're a singer in a hardcore band and you also like working out really hard because that's basically myself i i got into really intense music such as the chromags and i would look at people on stage who are really well built like doyle and at danzig at the time was jacked and harley from the chromags john joseph and that got me into really intense working out 
Sure, yeah. And then when I got into really intense working out, I found that a lot of these bands were getting into intense working out, whether it was jiu-jitsu, like Billy from Biohazard's a black belt in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So is Harley. He teaches uh-huh. at Henzo Gracie's place. So I think he made a good point of saying, Harley, that is, he goes, you don't have to be hardcore to be in a band. You can be hardcore about skateboarding. You can be hardcore about working out. You can be hardcore about your business. And then you're infusing that hardcore mentality. Sure. So where I'm going is I think that people that are really into intense training are going to love your music because this is the kind of music that we like to listen to when we're going for a deadlift PR, when we're going for a squ- heavy squats. You know, I don't want to listen to White Snake when I'm trying to you know, deadlift 600 pounds. I don't dislike them. I like a wide variety of music. But when I'm, going to some, when I'm doing something crushing, I need that kind of intensity to ramp it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, for me, the intense, intense music and angry music was always you know, a release um, from what I felt you know, at the time, whether it was like some depression, anger, yeah. anxiety, um, and, you know, music is, you know, directly correlated with that for me. Um, and, you know, those things always went hand in hand, you know, when I'm, when I'm angry or I am feeling a lot of anxiety, yeah. you know, when I work out that releases that, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. always do, you know, and whether that's, you know, the, um, serotonin yeah, in your brain, you know, yeah, endorphin rush. Yeah. yeah. You know, rushing to your brain, you know, that, that's probably is part yeah. of it, but you know, it's just really cool that, you know, to find those positive things, right. you know, music lifting, you know, as opposed to, you know, going and doing drugs or, or going yeah. and doing things that are harmful to you or others. You know, I think finding those things that, that are helpful to deal with the day-to-day stresses of life. I and mean, that's a very important thing. And, and, you know, music and, exercising but always been that for me yeah i think people can i think what's sad is when someone listens to a record like yours or they go to a live show and they have this nice release which is great but then it doesn't permeate anywhere else in their life in other words they just go back to a life that they're not happy with so in other words they listen to your music and go to the show for a release and that's fine but how do we take that energy back to improving your life because i feel with Working out is what allowed me to get into a business that I really enjoy doing. You know, a kettlebell instructor for many years, and then I transitioned into designing nutrition supplements and doing podcasts and so forth. But it's all under the umbrella of improving people's lives. I'm improving my life, and I'm showing other people how to improve theirs. So I think that, and same thing with working out. We all know people who work out where they go, man, I hate my job. I'm not happy at home. If it wasn't for this, I wouldn't be able to keep it together. And that's okay in the short run, but the discipline you learn there Take that anywhere, whether it's building a band, whether it's building a business, whether it's improving your personal life, take that discipline and let it permeate to other areas. Yeah. And you know what? You know, I'll use my band as an example. Um, You know, Chris is a social worker. He works for... Uh, with, Chris is uh, the Chris drummer is the in your drummer. band? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he also trained uh, today oh, uh, with okay, me cool. as well. Um, yeah. But... Uh, you know, he essentially, you know, he works with, with people who have drug and alcohol rehabilitation uh, problems. And, right. And, you know, he's got his master's, you know, and, and me, I got had my teaching degree, you know, and, you know, that I, we kind, I kind of take that. And, you know, that's something that even though, you know, we're in this band, this angry band kind of have like an image of, you know, that's kind of darker, right. kind of. Like that's a release from from our life, right? But then we come back and we're doing something positive. You know, yeah. we're we're trying to make the world better, a better place. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is our release, but at the same time, you know, you you have to make some steps forward to try to improve your life, or else 
you know, it's yeah. it's not it's not going to improve. The way you feel is not going to improve, and you know, then you're going to live a pretty yeah. miserable life, unfortunately. But no, that's true. And then if I mean, I think the best way to improve your own life is to help other people out. Yeah. So I mean, if you feel like crap. Go to a children's hospital, donate some time. There's no way you're not going to feel worse. <laughs> you, know? yeah, yeah. you may feel a little guilty for overinflating your problems you had, but anytime you help someone else out, you're going to feel better. So I find that a lot of people that are into intense lifestyles tend to be very compassionate people as well. Sure, like yeah. a, lot of people who, a lot of the people who work out hard, they lift heavy weights, on the periphery, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, don't mess with that guy. I bet that guy's a thug and so forth. But they're usually the coolest people because yeah. we're, we're humble from doing intense stuff. Sure, yeah. It's, so it's rarely the guy, it's rarely the strongest guy at the gym who's a jerk off. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually those people are going to be really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like you see that in, in any, you know, sporting event. Right. You got, you got yeah. the loud mouths or, yeah. you know, you know, you see all the time, like MMA, yeah, you know, the guy who has a lot of talk, yeah. you know, and then they walk in the ring and they get, they get, they get yeah, <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's just kind of, I've always been a humble person. I've, I've, I don't like people who are, you know, talking trash all the time or, or being rude. I, that's just not who I am. So, yeah. um, it, but it is true. You know, that's why I, that's actually part of the reason why I got into powerlifting is that I like the idea of, you know, when you go to a powerlifting meet, you know, Every single person there is cheering you on. Oh, yeah, you know, they're, they, they're rooting for you. Yeah. They don't care how much is on the way. If you're right. lifting 100 pounds and that's the best lift that you can do at that time, you know, yeah. that's, that's what's important. And, yeah. and I like the aspect of being um, it being like an individual achievement. You know, even though you're in a competition, it's about achieving a goal and everybody completing a lift. You know, I've right. never seen anybody at a powerlifting meet, you know, you know, cheering that someone missed the lift or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or hoping someone gets hurt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's all positive. And, yeah. and, and that's part of the reason why I continue to get into it because it's just, it's a good environment for a release for whatever, you know, you got a million different types of people that are into powerlifting, right. you know, in the gym, it's all the same, but at, in the outside, you know, they're completely different people. No doubt. And I think it's able to connect a lot of people and, you know, not just powerlifting, but any working out, you know, you know, I, I did martial arts for uh, six and a half years. I had to recently quit in the last year because of, of the touring just made yeah. it made it yeah. too difficult. But, you know, there's people I met there that I just never would have met in my life. Yeah. But we all were connected, you know, by the by the art, you know, right. and and I feel like that whether it's, you know, kettlebells or powerlifting yeah. or bodybuilding yeah. or whatever, you know, you have this connection with people and it's just it's all for the same purpose. And yeah. if it's if you can achieve a positive thing out of whatever it is you're doing, then, then that's a good, yeah. a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, that's the aspect. I, one, one guy, Matt Brown, he's a UFC fighter. He made a good point about West Side. He goes, look, if you show up there, you're going to hit a PR. And what he's talking about is that kind of energy, that supportive energy. If you're watching the clips of people training at West Side, or when someone's going for a PR, everybody in the gym's like, come on, get that, yeah. you know, crush it. There's no way that's not going to help you. Yeah. When I used to work at a Mark Philippi's gym, and one of the points he made earlier is that a lot of these guys don't hit their peaks until they're in their 40s. And one, one, thing, one question I asked Mark Philippi, I go, when were you at your strongest? And he said when he was about 42 or so. And I was like, wow, and he did strongman competitions, which is really savage you know, on yeah, the body. Yeah, but it takes years and years of fortifying your body to get to the point where sure. you have the structural integrity to handle really heavy weight training to, to handle that intensity and the mental too yeah. you know mental that's, it's, that's huge right there because i always say you're not going to lift the weight until your mind is ready to lift the weight 
Yeah, I mean. And Mark would always make a point of, he could just look at your body language when you walked to the bar, and he would know whether you would get it or not. Okay. That's just the other day here at Fitness 19. There's a guy, he's a really strong guy, big, tall dude, and I was watching him squat. I, I can't, sometimes people at the gym are probably like, why is this guy looking at me? And it's just, it's just, it's just an occupational hazard because I was a trainer for so long. Sure, sure. So when I, I'm always watching people's technique, <laughs> and I was watching this guy set up, and I was like, yeah, his technique looks really good. And then he put 365 on the, on the bar to squat, lowered perfectly. And then for some reason, a switch went off, and he just gave up, and he just parked the weight. Yeah. And I, I, didn't, I didn't go over to him because I was in the middle of my workout, and I don't like to bother people when they're training. But in my head, I was thinking, number one, if you had a spotter, you know, if I were spotting him, I guarantee you he would have had the confidence to lift it back up. Yeah. Something, and then the way he lowered the bar, he definitely had the strength to lift it. Sure. So it wasn't that the bar was too heavy. Yeah. Something switched off in his mind, yeah. and that's why he just felt the need to just give up at that moment. So it, it, there's so much psychology. That's, that's probably one of the things I like most about it, is there's so much psychology with sure. weight training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I don't 100% believe this all the time because if you're not strong enough, sometimes you're just not going to get that's the right. weight. That's right. But, like, you know, it's important to visualize when, it, when you're trying to do – whatever it is, a max lift, you know, that you're going to complete it. If you don't think you're going to complete it, then I don't think it's something that you should be doing, attempting. Right. You know, I mean, right. you, you know, you want to walk up to the bar and you're like, I know I'm going to get this. Yes. And even if you don't get it, at least you know that you have the confidence to go up there, you know, lower the weight, feels good on your back. You know, I've missed 100 lifts in my life probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's going to happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, you know... If you didn't go up there with the confidence to try it, you know, within reason, obviously, right, you know, right. don't want to go around trying something stupid. But, <laughs> but, you know, you know, if you if you work up to something, you know, you see it all the time. You know, people do things above and beyond what they're, yeah. they think they're capable of doing, you know, and, and I think lifting is, is no different than that. Sometimes I feel that if you could put fake plates on the bar, right, so someone doesn't realize what it is. So in other words, you think it's 315, but it's actually 500 pounds. So when you pick it up, you're going to be like, wait a minute, there's no reason this should feel this heavy. So you're just going to keep going, yeah. right? Sure. But sometimes when you know what the weight is, you're looking at it, that can be psychologically defeating. You're like, oh, man, look at all that weight. Look at that bar. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be able to lift that. But also, I mean, when you're, when you're doing your warm-up sets, most of the time you should have a pretty clear idea of whether that max is there, right? So in other words, if I'm going to deadlift 565 and 505 feels heavy, Probably not a good idea to go for 565 that day. You know, 505 should feel like a like a like a feather coming off the yeah. ground. It should be like, bam, that was simple. Then you're like, yeah, I'm definitely going for it yeah. today. And because I don't compete, I can pick the perfect moment. Like a lot of times when I max out, it's not when it was planned. Sure. Because a lot of times I feel like if I plan it, then I start getting anxiety about it. I was sure. like, oh man, I got to do that max on Friday. And you're thinking about it all week, like, fuck, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. Blah 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 blah. Sometimes when I'm in the gym, though, it's just a regular workout, and everything just feels like it's in the pocket. I was like, you know what? Today's the day. Go for it. <laughs> Screw it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you don't have that luxury at a meet. You have to, you know, you have to lift when you when the meet is. Sure, of course. But I think the positive there is, like you said, is you have that encouraging environment. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. And also, just the fact that people are watching you, even though they're not going to humiliate you if you miss it, just the fact that people are even watching can help a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. You know, if you visualize that you're going to get it and you've been working, all that work you put in, you know, I would say 85% of the time I'll, I'll hit a PR right. or I'll hit that weight that I'm, that I'm trying to right. get. You know, it's, it's just 
obviously you can't just walk into the gym without ever working out oh, and, yeah. you know, hit a 500 squat. Right. But if you've been working, you've been working out, you know, I feel like that's going to kind of build this confidence yeah. that when you walk up to the bar, you know, whether it's bench, squat, deadlift, whatever, that, you know what, I'm going to get this. And, and I mean, I there's plenty of times where I was like, man, every lift feels the same or it's heavy. It's, yeah. You know, like even today, you know, I I had a, I had to work up to five twenty five squat, yeah. and that's great. I wasn't I wasn't feeling good, but <laughs> I put it on anyway, yeah. and I yeah. got up there and I hit it. You know, and you know if I if I would have just walked home and you know maybe my meat would be all screwed up or whatever, you know. But um, I think that's the other thing too is some days you feel like crap and you get your best workouts ever. Yeah, you yeah. know, you just never know. It's just it's a weird thing. Sometimes the warm up weights feel heavy, and you're like, I don't know if I should keep going, but you do it anyway, just like you said. Sure. And then it's there. Yep. You hit it. Like the switch flips and you're ready to go. So you, you just never know when it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot of lifting is, you know, nerve adaptation. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, nervous yeah, system, it's sure. yeah. you know, if your central nervous system is fired and, you know, your muscles are firing how they're supposed to be, you know, that's when you have your best workouts, you know. When you're sitting in the van all day yeah. and, you know, you're you're, yeah, <laughs> your glutes aren't firing, yeah. you know, your yeah. lower back is, yeah. I mean, that's when, you know, you start to either A, get injured, or B, you know, you start yeah. making some mistakes. Probably you have to spend more time loosening up and so forth. You, sure. you, do, you do any joint mobility stuff or um, just warm-ups, dynamic warm-ups before you train? I think a big thing, like, for, for like with Chris and I, he, he has a lot of hip problems, yeah. you know, and he has a herniated disc. I have a herniated disc. Um, my psoas is always, you know, rock hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're we basically try to do every night. We try to do some hip stretching. We try to do... Um, just some a little mobility work. Uh, you know, I use things like the hip circle, you know, to kind of loosen up, warm up, um, especially like days like today. You know, I try to add at least five to ten minutes extra right. warm warming up um, before before I lift. You know, just you know maybe some lunges, maybe some you know Bulgarian split squats, right. things like that that sure. are going to kind of have some stretching advantages, but also warm up the muscles. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I mean that that's basically that's basically it when it comes to I am not a huge warm up guy. I I don't like over warm up. Yeah, I'm not a yeah. Um <laughs> to me the warm up is walking in the gym and yeah. <laughs> putting the weight on the bar. Sure, yeah. I mean I'd rather I'd rather do like a few extra sets of lighter squats right, to exactly. get to get it's more targeted. It's yeah, yeah. Purposeful. Sure, yeah. Um but I I do have to be careful cuz I'm I think part of the reason why I have back issues is yeah. from sitting in the van. Oh, yeah. And uh you know, I I think one of the main reasons I can actually think of the time I herniated my disc was is just got home from tour, tried to continue lifting as heavy as I thought I should be able to, went down to do a deadlift, my hips were as tight as hell, yeah. you know, and just, you know, right then, boom, yeah. you know, I felt the pain just shoot through my back. And, That's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. What do you? What do you? You said you, you mentioned before we started recording. You're doing more of a sumo stance now. Sure. Were you using a fairly close stance before, or have you always had somewhat of a wider stance? Yeah, I've, I've always. Well, I've always been a conventional. I had always been a conventional deadlifter. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of a pick up the bar and explode up. Right. It either comes off the floor and I get it, or you do a dip and drive. You, know, you just drop your uh, hips and then try to rip it off the ground. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and then you know, obviously. When you when you have, start having back issues, you know you yeah. try to avoid the compression yeah, uh, in, in the discs. And um, I started doing sumo, and I've made a lot of good progress with sumo. I just don't know 
what my limits are with sumo. Yeah. You know, I my my hip strength is okay, but you know, I I was just a lot more confident and, and the weights moved a lot faster when I was when I was conventional. But um, I look at it this way: if I can deadlift five fifty to six hundred sumo, you know, maybe my squat can improve an extra oh, yeah. hundred pounds, sure. and I'll be able to kind of make progress in my total. Right. You know, without really making you know the extreme progress because my deadlift was always my best lift yeah ironically when i switched to sumo my squat started to take over as yeah. my best lift and i use, I, a wide, use a wide stance there as well um i use pretty much a, like a a shoulder shoulder width okay. yeah, yeah i i hit the hole pretty hard i i use the stretch reflex um pretty uh pretty hard which is actually why probably so you, you try to drop into it and just get that stretch yeah. reflex bounce yeah, yeah I, I drop i drop in pretty hard okay and and what's funny is i kind of i go down slow yeah. and right when i hit the bottom that's when i okay. i hit the stretch and, reflex yeah, to get yeah, up yeah. and if you see like you know if i ask people to spot me they always think i'm i'm gonna because <laughs> i because i go down very slow yeah. Yeah. but um i just like being able to control the weight then yeah. hit, hitting the pocket yeah. and I pretty much know if I'm going to get it or not. Right. Like if I shoot out the hole, there's a 90% chance I'm, right. I'm getting it. I, I rarely ever miss squats or, yeah. or any lifts at the top. I think there's more of a fear with squats because you have all that weight on your back, right? Sure. Like with deadlifts, if it doesn't come off the ground, it doesn't come off. Yeah. No big thing. But with squatting, yeah. and then there's only so much a spotter can do too. Sure. So if you collapse, you could really hurt yourself. Even if even if the bars catch the weight, yeah. you, the way you fall could be put you in a really precarious situation. Absolutely. And then if you really lose it, there's only if you have five, six plates in the bar, there's really only so much one person can do. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you really have to get it. Sure. Yeah. I you know I've only missed maybe two squats ever in my yeah. whole life of yeah. heavy weight. And one time I had to dump it, throw it off my back. Um and uh a couple other times I mean in a meet, um the spotters just there's three spotters. Right, so you got a right. back spotter, you got, yeah. you know, but when you're training by yourself or you're training with a friend, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I've, I'm actually, I would actually prefer to only have one spotter because sometimes when you ask people in the gym, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. It's actually becomes more dangerous, oh, yeah. you know? So maybe they jump in too soon or not soon enough. You just never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it all goes back to the confidence thing for me, you know, like every time I go to the bar, I think I'm going to get it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I've only, I guess, I've only missed you know two squats ever, so it's, yeah, it's pretty it's much, <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I guess it's part of some self awareness too, you know, oh, yeah. you know what what I'm able to do, you know, I I never really try to do something that I know is like way out of my realm oh, of, yeah, exactly. of uh, well, strength, smart. you know. So I've seen people do that too. I saw a guy one time barely did a squat with 315 and then he put another plate on each side. I go, buddy, this is not going to go well for you. Yeah, yeah. And then of course he did a two inch, <laughs> two inch squat because there's no way you're going to hit the death. <laughs> Look, if 315 feels heavy, it's not going to get better no. with 405. Now with squats, you use a low bar position or you keep the bar pretty uh, high? I use a lower bar position. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, Majority of my training um, with squatting, I use um, uh, sleeve, uh, knee sleeves. Okay. And then I, I, I use mostly beltless. Um, when I'm training for a meet, when I start to peak in the last three, four weeks, I use a belt. Do you find a belt helps quite a bit? People have told me they they can squat 50 pounds more or think, so with a belt. I think squatting, it's it can help you yeah. significantly because yeah. especially someone who has some disc issues, oh, yeah. I can um, really – I can hit the hole hard yeah. and have my core being that little extra bracing just really helps me hit hit the, hit the hole 
extremely hard, which which helps for me getting getting squats up. Um, now, do you push your stomach out against the belts? Yeah, always, always, yeah, always, always create the pressure, you know, into the belt. I try not to, I, I don't like the belt too tight because um, I think that actually takes away from some of your strength. Mm. Um, but, like, for deadlifts, I think it helps too, but I, I think squatting, it helps the most, yeah. I would say. Yeah, as well, like people say, especially with squat suits as well, things like that. Did you ever use that or you do uh, meets where it's no, minimal equipment? I'm all raw, yeah. uh, all yeah. raw or would be considered <laughs> raw, raw with sleeves. Yeah, knee sleeves, belt, wrist okay. wraps. You yeah, know. So no squat. I mean, some of the squat suits add a hundred pounds, and at that point, I I, I want to know what I can lift. You yeah. know, I, I don't I don't want to know what I can lift when I have a shirt on where I can't even lower my arms, <laughs> yeah. or you know, where you have to put heavy weight on just to lower the bar to your chest. I want to know what I can do in a real world situation exactly. as much as possible, <laughs> so I'd be within limits. Now, do you do anything else for training, or is it just powerlifting right now? Any other um, workouts on the road? Uh, no, just just powerlifting, and you know, obviously, I do some accessories with bodybuilding, okay, a style. Um, like I said before, like for about six and a half years, I did martial arts, um, where I did I did kempo, um, and that was a good way for some cardio. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> they, they always kicked my ass. I mean, anyone who's watched your video of you guys perform, that's cardio. <laughs> yeah, like I was telling Freddie Mailball when I saw them live, I go, man, forget about your workouts, man. You're you're that's cardio. I mean, you're nonstop moving. Yeah. Like a crazy man up there for an hour and twenty minutes or whatever it is, man. So that's cardio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your cardio's covered. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I liked I'm, at some point I'd like to get back into martial arts. Uh, yeah. Um, and do some form of that, whether yeah. it's you know some jujitsu or muay thai, just because I I like having a different aspect. Um, me and Chris sometimes play basketball. We're big sports fans, so yeah. so yeah. we play basketball. But I will say, as I've gotten a little bit older, into my thirties. Uh, playing basketball hurts quite a bit, quite a bit, um, <laughs> yeah. especially on tour. So I, I try to try to limit my basketball. Well, what do you guys do for? I know you said you played, so you did some gambling the other night. Sure. What do you guys do? What do you guys try to do for for fun when you are downtime? Um, I guess you know Harmsway is real big. We we are real big casino guys, so really? th- that's some that's something that we like to do. Um, you know, we, we like. So yeah. that, that's not part of the straight edge lifestyle then gambling. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a no do on the, sure, on the yeah, checklist. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, that's not part of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we like doing that. Um, it's, it could be a fun break, but it's just so different from the, like I live out here. So every once in a while I play cards just because it's such a departure sure. from my normal life that it almost feels like a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like going to movies. Um, yeah. we, we will do that on days off. Um, we like going to nice restaurants once in a while. Um, just, you know, obviously we eat a lot of bullshit, um, on tour. So, um, and then did you try to follow wise, follow any kind of specialized diet? Is there, is there an optimal diet that you think is applicable for powerlifting you try to utilize? Honestly, I just think eating like 80% clean and kind of, I've always kind of used the five days during the week of kind of planning my meals, eating, eating well. And then, um, on the weekends, I kind of eat whatever I want, you know, um, I've I have good genetics, so <laughs> yeah. I, I've kind of it's kind of to my advantage sometimes. Yeah. You know, I can I can kind of be pretty loose to my right. diet, uh, but on tour, you know, if we try to make it like the Chipotle. You know, right. get the get the rice, vegetables, sure. get some chicken breast. Um, we have some diet like some people are vegan in our band, some right. are vegetarian, right. so they have all those um, different yeah. um, 
different types of things. If you guys are going out for dinner tonight, uh, the, the win and the encore, they all have vegan menus. Some are vegan oh, myself. Sure. So, and then they'll have, they have meat as well. So everyone will be happy in yeah. those casinos. And then over on Fremont street, if I don't know if you've been down there, some really good restaurants down there, veg nation, it, it's all vegan, but every meat eater I've ever taken there likes that food. Sure, so sure. it's, it's good food. Yeah. 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 Um, so some good options out here. But yeah. But yeah, other than that, um, you know, I, I don't really worry about my diet. Like I said before, <laughs> you know, it's it's more about getting on tour. I try to get as many quality calories as I can. Yeah. You know, um, Any, anything you do pre workout, you try to have coffee pre workout or, or anything I, to I, get you in the zone. I really just I usually I just grab an energy drink. Yeah. You know, I I become a fan of Bang. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> those, uh, but. Uh, we don't. They don't really have those in the Midwest for whatever reason. Oh, really? um, oh, yeah. They're hard you to find. Illinois, right? Okay. So, um, you know, I just grab like a monster or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't really like as far as supplements go. I'm not like a huge supplement guy. Right. You know, right. I and plus, the travel you have to t- to take a bunch of stuff on yeah. the road could be a nuisance too. I mean, I I already I don't even I say I don't take a lot of stuff, but like even my backpack is full of like you know <laughs> fish oils yeah. and yeah. more a lot of just anti-inflammatory right. shit because. Right. You know, I don't want to take ibuprofen every day, you right. know, but my body does hurt. Um, and I found, you know, high dose fish oil really helps. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I was trying your new supplement. Yeah, I th- yeah restores that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought I could tell some differences. Yeah, you have to get it. You might have to take a really high dose, which can be a nuisance. Sure. Like, I'll take 15 caps yeah. a day when I'm doing really hard training. Sure, sure. Otherwise, a maintenance dose will be around six to six nine caps yeah, or so yeah. forth. And it has to really be on an empty stomach sure. to really get the full benefits because otherwise the enzymes go to digestion. Yeah. And what a lot of people notice with my testosterone booster is that when you work out really hard, a lot of times – it becomes difficult to keep your levels from dropping. Sure. So you just tend to go into a drop phase. So sometimes when people take some of my stuff, they don't get necessarily get an increase, but they don't get a drop. And yeah. that's actually a success. Like MMA fighters, if you test their testosterone during a camp, guys who aren't using, I mean, their testosterone will be 200, 300, which yeah. is really low, yeah, especially yeah. for a guy who's 25, 28. So sometimes that's the goal is keep your hormones from dropping yeah. as opposed to, you know, don't worry about optimizing that optimize them necessarily when you're in a peaking phase. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless you take steroids or, you know, growth hormone or things like that, that are obviously proven right. to maximize. Oh, yeah. That's, that definitely is a performance. What, what do you say to people when they look at you and go, Oh, what, what are you on, man? Yeah. You got to be on what's your, what are you on DECA? Are you yeah. on, you know, because I'm sure anyone who works out hard, who has a good physique, you're going to get that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we get it all the time. It's kind of a compliment in disguise. Yeah. Really, like, well, I'm glad you think so. But. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, countless people think that I've taken steroids and uh, think that, you know, at some point I have, I mean, I, I'll tell you with 100% confidence that I've never taken uh, any steroids or any a growth hormone. Um, I'm actually not opposed to it. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, either. I'm not, especially um, as I age. I think like it, it has some benefits. Oh, yeah. um, and, well, I always say uh, I'm gonna when I'm Sylvester Stallone's age, I'm gonna be on his regimen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like oh, when I get older, I'm gonna be like him yeah, because why not? You know, how many guys? When I was a kid, when somebody was 70, they looked like they were 70. Yeah. They weren't jacked like him. Now you see all these jacked old guys walking around. You're like, oh, well, screw it. If that's what you need to do at that age, then sure. there'll, be, there'll be better things in the next 15 to 20 years because there's so much research going into of it course, now. Yeah. But if that's what you had to do now to feel a lot better and not decline so much, then why not? You know? And, you know, I, I do think, too, you know, just like a lot of the, the media is kind of, you know, kind of painted it as this really negative thing. Right. And, you know, I think if you're smart about it and you, you take an appropriate amount yeah. and you kind of, you know, use it as a supplement to kind of help you recover, sure. 
I don't I don't really have a problem with that. You know, every I, I would say ninety percent of really strong powerlifters they they take steroids. I mean, that's yeah. that's part of the game. Yeah. But um, I do like for me personally, I have I always had natural goals I wanted to achieve, and I kind of always had an age where I would kind of be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll try that now or, or right. you know. And, you know, I'm honestly more interested in trying to eliminate some of the daily aches and pains, you know, with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, like, stem cells. Oh, yeah, I, I've had three stem cell shots before. They help a lot because I've had bone-on-bone arthritis in my left elbow and the stem cells. I, 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 have, I have range of motion limitations on this left arm, but the pain, I used to have pain there all the time, which is gone now from taking that. I had one put on my back just as a precautionary measure. Sure. You know, just to avoid wear and tear. So stem cells is is huge. Yeah. You know, that stuff's going to be more and more proliferated. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that and that's. Uh, I think as time goes on, I think yeah. that'll be more of a regular um, thing for people who are involved in, in the athletic world. Definitely. Um, but you know, and it, that's something that you know, I think if I have the amount of the amount, I know it costs a lot of money. So if I have the if I have the uh, right money. Then I'm definitely interested in. in yeah, it's about twelve hundred bucks a shot, you know, so it's not cheap. No, but, but it's, you don't need too many, so yeah, it can be pretty sure. effective. The thing is, you want to do it before you have serious wear and tear. Sure. So that's the problem is nobody thinks to blow that kind of money when they don't feel that bad. But if you wait until a point of degradation, then you don't come back as much. So there, in other words, there has to be some cartilage to sure. build upon. To so if you're bone on bone. It's a lot. There's nothing to really grow there. It's you're you're basically like that. So that that's the challenge there. But there's a lot of exciting developments in yeah, the pipeline right now. So in the next several years, we're going to see some really cool things. Platelet-rich therapy, stem cells. There's there's a lot of cool things sure. going on right now. Uh, active release technique is a form of chiropractic care. It's a form of physical therapy that's really effective. Massages would probably help you a lot. That can be <laughs> yeah. that can be cost prohibitive too, though. That can get expensive. Sure. But that that's something for recovery. Absolutely. That if you could, if you could get a massage in once a week, you'd notice a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard of all those things. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, I sometimes get massages. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what the the medical world has yeah. in store. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Yep, that's it's a really cool time. Well, cool, man. This has been great. Anything that you have going on, you want to plug a new tour? We already talked about the new tours and stuff, but anything else you want to let us know? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the people that really helped me out with a lot of lifting gear and stuff has been American Barbell Club. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, one of my good friends, John, he runs it, and uh, him and I are, are pretty close. So. I just want to say if you need any, you know, like lifting straps or knee sleeves or knee wraps or anything like that, um, he has a lot, a lot of that stuff, and he has a lot of cool T-shirts, Very things cool. like that. And That's AmericanBarbell.com? Uh, is that what it is? I think it's American Barbell Club. AmericanBarbellClub.com. Yeah. Okay. Or it's AB. I, I can't remember the exact. If they put it in Google, American Barbell Club, oh, and it yeah, should pop it'll, right it'll up. Yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> um, and other than that, you know, check out uh, Post Human. Uh, it's our most recent record for Harm's Way. Yeah. You guys are going to be on Warps Tour, so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, yeah. Post Human, you can you can stream it on Spotify, on Apple Music. You can see some videos on YouTube. But uh, buy the record to really support them. Buy some merchandise, and then get to a live show. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. That was good, man. Thank you.